Thank you for listening to Interviews. My name is Laurent Autain. I'm a business coach on a quest to crack the entrepreneurship code. So I thought, why not talking to entrepreneurs around the world and ask them to share the practical tips and lessons learned. I hope their stories will help you better navigate your own entrepreneurship journey. This podcast is available on most platforms. Subscribe now. Hi, thank you for joining Interviews. I want to inspire as many entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs as possible. You can definitely help me achieve my goal by sharing this show with your network. And today we are back to Finland with David Blinov, managing partner at the F Company. Hey, David, thank you very much for joining me today. Hi, it's great to be here. How are you tonight? I'm okay. What about yourself? Yeah, it's good. It's been very good. It's been a very sort of crisp, uh, sunny, awesome day and uh, had a very productive day. I'm feeling good. Excited to be here and uh, talk to you Excellent. and hopefully inspire some of your listeners as well. <laughs> Excellent. So tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, listen, it's, it, it, it is a long journey and it, it comes sort of, it goes way back. Um, I've been in Finland for, for many, many years now and I'm finished now, but I was actually born somewhere else. Mm. Uh, I was born in Latvia. And uh, I don't know how much you know about Latvia in the 90s, but uh, it was a pretty sad, difficult place to be. Right. And uh, I, I, come from a, I come from a really poor family. Like it, it's, it was as tough as us not having enough money for food sometimes. So mm. because of that, I had to start working very early. So we're talking, you know, 12, 13 years old. I was trying to make a little bit of money to put some bread on the table, literally. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, and my entrepreneurial journey actually started very early. I think I was 16 when I uh, started my first company. Mm. And it, it, was, it was quite interesting because partially it was dictated by the circumstances, you know, being from a poor family and having to do something. But part of it was probably my personality. I've always been uh, kind of resourceful and uh, always being the leader always bored by not doing anything you know always coming up with things to do and I remember being 16 years old and uh, I had 10 years left on my bank account that was all I had in this world and mm. um, and as any teenager would do I went to the supermarket to buy some some chips and some candy and some coke to sort of cheer myself up and uh, I was standing at the um, cash out register and waiting for my line to come. And then I noticed that they were selling uh, some IT-related, internet-related magazines. You know, mm. back, in the, back in the day, they had quite a few of those. And in one of the magazines, there was an offer. Uh, there was a coupon for three months of uh, web hosting and a domain name. And um, you could get that magazine with a coupon for 10 euros. And I was standing there, this 16-year-old at the checkout, and thinking, <laughs> okay, I can spend my 10 euros on these snacks here. I'm going to eat them. It's going to feel good, but then I won't have uh, any way out of this. Or I can buy this magazine and I can learn this internet thing and see if somehow you could make money online because I kind of knew that some people are doing that already. And this was 2006, 2007. Yeah. And uh, so I chose to buy that magazine. And in the next three months, um, I started a website and uh, I learned the very basics of HTML and Photoshop and some very basic things when it comes to online marketing. And I started an affiliate marketing um, business mm. and I was promoting 
different uh, different software and different services and i was literally you know spreading the affiliate link uh, across different online forums uh putting a lot of money a bit of money into advertising to see if people would sign up and it turned out that people were actually interested in whatever i was promoting and you know a couple of months later i had this website that was making a little bit of money and i hired my classmates to work for me mm -hmm. and it was very interesting i would uh, pay them uh, their salary monthly before the English class on Tuesdays. I still remember that. I would, come, I would come, come into the class and I would bring this envelope to them and I would like pass it to them under the table, feeling like the king of the world. I didn't know you're supposed to pay taxes. I didn't know how companies were meant to be run. Um, it turns out you do have to pay taxes, uh, unfortunately. But back, <laughs> yeah. in the day, I <laughs> back in the day, I didn't know that. And that's where it all started. That's when I started my entrepreneurial journey. And uh, I was 16 years old then. Oh. I'm 31 now. And it's been, uh, it's been an interesting ride since then. Wow, you must have learned so many things along the way. Now, we're we're going to talk about that. But tell me, yeah. were, were those 10 euros the best investment ever? <laughs> you know, looking back at it, I think they were. It was, it was a good way to spend the money. And I'm certainly glad I did. It kind of started this wild ride, you know. Sometimes you look back at your life and you look back to those tiny little moments that seem yeah. kind of meaningless and small at the time. But then you realize that it changes your entire life after that. So that's exactly what happened to me. Yes, yes. You know, I can relate to that because I lived, I lived in Asia for 20 years. Wow. And I remember we had with my uh, ex-partner at that time, I followed her to Laos actually. And I remember we had exactly one weekend to make our decision. Are we going or not? Mm -hmm. And it was like this, this same, same type of moment where we're like, okay, let's, let's, let's just go, you know? <laughs> we thought about it over the weekend and initially we went there for nine months and it turned out to be 20 uh -huh. years, you know? Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. How, was, it, was it worth it? Do you feel like it was a good moment? Or? Uh, yeah, 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 definitely. Same type of moment as, as what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Like a very defining, very defining moment. It's interesting. It's really interesting just looking back at those moments, you know? Yes. That's where it all started. That's where it all happened. Hmm. And so 15 years of being an entrepreneur, it's, it's a long time. Oh my so God. why? Now that why? you say it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds old. Yes, but yeah, please. <laughs> no, but why, why are you so hooked at being an entrepreneur? What does it mean oh for you? Uh, that's a good question, you know, and, and in these 15 years, I, I haven't been an entrepreneur the entire time. I would kind of take breaks here and there. I would go to school. I would work for different companies throughout Europe. I would travel or work for a few years here and there. But somehow, at the same time, I've noticed that even when I was employed somewhere else, I always had these small projects on the side. You know, mm -hmm. I would have a full-time job, but I would run a small web shop selling watches for example or i would have an affiliate marketing business or doing some consulting or starting like a tech startup with my friends i guess I, what i realized is that i get bored by not creating something i get right. bored by not having my own thing and i'm physically scared of being comfortable you mm. know i remember um, I had a full-time job. It was maybe six or seven years ago. And I was, and I was sitting in the train in the morning going to my full-time job. And, and it was a good job. I had fun. But 
and I was sitting in that train and thinking, everything's great. Everything feels comfortable. I have a solid paycheck and uh, I have my vacation coming up and things are looking good. And I was sitting there and feeling that way. And suddenly I got scared. I realized, look, what if I fall into this comfort zone and that's just where I stayed for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, you're retired and you're looking back at your life and realize that all these dreams that you've had, all these things that you've wanted to build, you never really got around to doing them because at one point you got very comfortable. And that's when I got scared and I was like, look, I want to build things. I want to do things. And I went back to being an entrepreneur and, uh, uh, since then, I've been doing my own thing pretty much full time, and it's been a very, very interesting time. Wow. So you created the uh, the F company uh, four years ago. What yes. what does the what does the name come from? By the way, I'm I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think the name comes? Yeah, from? I'll Let me address well. <laughs> that question too. <laughs> All right. So so it's a it's a digital marketing agency, right? Or more specifically, I think a growth marketing agency. Yes, it's it's a B two B focused growth marketing agency, and uh, right. you know I've been doing digital marketing my entire life ever since I was sixteen years old and had that experience, and um, I've learned a lot. And at some point, I felt like I've noticed that most companies in Finland and also abroad are really not taking advantage of. Um, everything that modern digital marketing has to offer. Mm. I mean, there are tools and methods out there that allow you to reach millions of people in just a click. You can automate entire marketing departments and be so much more efficient and deliver personalized and meaningful experiences to your audience. And I was looking at all these companies that have no idea what they're doing and they're really not taking advantage of all of this. And then I felt like, look, I have all of this experience and I have the passion for marketing. I love working with people. What if I try starting a consultancy, starting an agency to see if, um, if people are interested, if companies want to buy my expertise? And it turned out they did, actually. And um, we are now three and a half years old, I want to mm. say. Um, we're just under 10 people. We have a beautiful office in central Helsinki. Um, recently, we've passed uh, one and a half million euros in revenue since we started and nice. things are looking really good for us. Uh, things are looking really good and uh, it's been a very exciting journey. And um, as you mentioned, we focus entirely on B2B. Um, mm. We do very modern, very data-driven marketing, focused on technology, focused on performance and agility. And uh, uh, we get the kind of results that most other agencies have never seen in their, in right. their lives. So we win awards, we do uh, we do quite crazy things, so it's been it's been a fun journey. Nice, nice to hear, especially during those very difficult moments. But tell tell me, there's more and more this growth marketing uh, mm -hmm. topic. There's more and more growth marketers out there, and and for me, you know, I'm uh, I'm the old generation, 44. I look at mm -hmm. this world, growth marketing, and I'm like, wow, what the hell is that? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so, what is, what is it? What is growth marketing? Yeah, very good question. And, and the funny thing is that the more people you ask, the more answers you're going to get. <laughs> There's no sort of one standard definition, but I can tell you how we describe it and how we understand it. Okay. So uh, the reality is that marketing is changing quicker than ever. Mm -hmm. There are thousands of tools. There are hundreds of marketing channels. 
And what worked before, even a year ago, doesn't work today. And it especially became true during the corona times when companies suddenly realized that they can't meet people face to face anymore. Everything has to be digital. Everything has to be personalized, interactive, and they realize that they're stuck. But the biggest reason, actually, the biggest change that is happening is that customer expectations are changing as well. So it's not mm. just marketing, it's how people want to be reached and talked to. And a good way to describe it is imagining, for example, a B2B company, a B2B buyer, right? So someone who deals with corporate software, for example. And that person, when they leave their office on a Friday evening, they take an Uber to get home and they order their food from Walt or Food or one of the food apps. They do their shopping on Amazon and Zalando. And those consumer services, they've set the level of expectations for marketing so incredibly high. Everything is personalized. Everything is instant. Mm. You know, when it's raining and you go to Amazon.com, it's going to show you umbrellas because it knows that it's raining where you are right now. Right. And then, you know, when that person comes back to the office on a Monday morning, they don't just magically kind of put their B2B hat back on and they don't just lower their expectations for what marketing should be. And many companies are falling behind, you know, they don't know how to reach these people anymore. They don't know mm -hmm. what to do. And then they start sort of sporadically kind of like trying to find this perfect marketing strategy and they, they ask their friends, you know, what is the, what is the best tool? What is the best approach? And then they put all their money into this, into this one campaign or one idea. And then they cross their fingers and they hope that they're right. Mm. They wait for a year, half a year to see the results of that campaign. But most of the time, simply because of how quickly things are changing, you will end up being wrong. So what growth marketing does is instead of putting all your eggs in one basket and hoping that you know what the customers want, you operate in this rapid testing and learning cycle to systematically improve your results, right? right. So instead of launching one or two marketing campaigns, you can launch a hundred or a thousand campaigns at the same time, testing different channels, different value propositions, different messages or different visuals even. And then you collect data. There is a very strong reliance on data from every single one of those hundreds of experiments that you run. Mm -hmm. And then the data will show you exactly what works and what doesn't, right? So it could be that out of the hundred value propositions that you test, 99 don't work today for whatever reason. But one of them works so well that if you scale it and you put all of your resources into it, you're going to get radically better results. Right. And that way through this rapid testing and experimentation, no matter where the customer expectations are going, no matter what happens to the market, is there COVID, is there something else that comes next year? By continuously testing and optimizing, you will always be able to let the data show you what you should be doing. And that is, that is the definition of growth marketing. So marketing that relies on rapid testing and learning. That's, that's clearer now. But then I guess it requires a lot you could say it requires a lot of testing so i mean it's possible to do that today because of all these those automation tools right definitely definitely um it, it is a very good point because to test hundreds of different ideas at the same time 
um, you need you need to be able to automate it, right? So mm. there is a very heavy reliance on technology, marketing automation, data. It's really important to kind of put your ego aside, regardless of how experienced you are, and trust that data is more valid than opinions. You know. Right. Yeah. I've been doing this for 15 years and I like to make predictions sometimes about what's going to work and what's not going to work. And most of the time I'm wrong. You know, mm. when we collect the data, it turns out that the way to approach this market is completely different from what I would have done. And that's something that a lot of marketers still don't understand, uh, that this reliance on data is very important. Mm. So technology, data, and the shift in mindset that you really need to work in experiments and test different things instead of sort of blindly putting all the eggs in one basket. Mm. Your, your point about data is really interesting because, you know, I mentioned that I lived in Asia and I worked 14 years in market research in Asia. And, wow. at, you know, at that time, uh, we were doing pen and paper questionnaires. So we would send out, you know, questionnaires, uh, interviewers in the street and they would knock on door and they would do and they would do pen and paper and we had we had this this say you know see so shit in shit out regardless of the you know the how good of a report writer you were if your data were crap the data that you collected were crap your report would be crap yeah and that has not that has not changed uh, regardless, regardless of the of the tools and uh, the, that you're that you're using, data is really really important. Completely, completely agree. Absolutely, all decisions need to be made based on data, not opinions. When it comes to marketing, and probably when it comes to a lot of other business areas as well. So that's something that we really preach uh, to all of our customers when we start working together. Mm. I noticed I went on your LinkedIn profile. And uh -huh. I, I noticed that one of your goals is to turn that you wrote on your LinkedIn profile is to turn the F company into a recognized brand through public speaking events and content production. Now tell right. me why public speaking is so important for your company's expansion. You know, <laughs> uh, I think there are two points that, uh, that I can address. Uh, the first one is really about that statement that I put there. Mm. Something that I realized um, over my, throughout my entrepreneurial career is that you can be the best in the world at something, but if the world doesn't know that you exist, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. You can have the best marketing agency in the world. If no one knows that it's there, then it's as if you weren't there. So as an entrepreneur, as a company founder, it is your job, it is your duty to get yourself out there, to be visible, to be known, to create this awareness. And that is something that is my mission at the F Company. Um, mm. And coincidentally, it's something that I also really enjoy doing. So that kind of comes back to the original question that you had, mm. what's up with public speaking? You know, it's something that I've, always been passionate about. Um, I remember in my school years, you know, when the teacher asks you to go to the whiteboard and present in front of the class, and most of the time the kids are terrified of that. No one wants to be the one 
on the stage. No one wants to be the one in the spotlight because it's nerve wracking. True. But for as long as I can remember myself, that's something that I've always wanted to do. I would always be the one to volunteer to be in front of the class and talk to the kids and just be the one, be the one everyone listened to. And I realized really early on that I'm quite good at putting my thoughts together and I'm quite good at impacting people's emotions and feelings and I can make them feel, I can make them think, I can share my experiences with them. And that's something that really makes me feel good. Mm. You know, I might not be a doctor saving children in Africa, but if I'm on the stage sharing my experience with marketers and entrepreneurs, and if I can impact them, if I can help them in some way, if I can help them in, in reaching their goals and their dreams, then that's my way of making the world a better place. And that's what sort of makes me happy to wake up in the morning, you know? Right. And before the, uh, before the Corona hit, um, I was getting quite uh, heavily into live events. Mm-hmm. So uh, speaking at different events, running our own events for the F company, we had like a monthly event last year that people absolutely loved. We had fantastic feedback and and that is just something that really made me happy. You know, I would wake mm. up in the morning and I would go there and I had this huge smile on my face. It just gives me so much energy. Unfortunately, of course, during Corona, it's not something that's doable, but we are now substituting that with some digital formats. Uh, we're doing webinars twice right. a month. And we actually have some really cool video content coming out very soon as well. And um, video is something that's new to me, but... I'm really excited about that as well. It's quite interesting talking into the camera and it's just kind of like the first time you do it, it almost like sucks your soul out, you know? Yeah. (laughs) You don't see the feedback from the people, but Mm -hmm. I'm starting to get into it and it's really exciting. So between you and me and everyone who might be listening to this, (laughs) (laughs) if there was one thing I could do for the rest of my life and be happy doing it, it would be public speaking. Yeah, I understand. So that's where I want to end up eventually. Right. And you're saying that entrepreneurs should develop their public speaking skills. I wouldn't say that necessarily because I understand that it's not for everybody. Mm. If it's not part of your personality to be in front of people, if it really takes a lot of your energy, then perhaps your energy is better spent elsewhere. Mm. What I believe is that as an entrepreneur, you should be great at generating awareness for your business. Right. You should make the world know that you exist. You should shout from the rooftops that this is who I am. This is what I'm good at. And this is why all of you should notice me. And if public speaking is your skill, fantastic. If you're good at um, podcasts and videos, great. If you're a great writer, fantastic. If you're not very good at any of that, maybe you can go to events and maybe you can network with people. Mm. So think of as an entrepreneur, what is your way of generating awareness for yourself and your company? Because I believe that it's just one of the most important things you can do. I've seen so many talented people who are great at what they do, but the world doesn't know they exist. And Mm. that's quite a shame, I think. So looking back at your 15 years of, entrepreneurship experience mm-hmm. what are some of the key lessons that you have learned along the way 
maybe I can mention one that is very relevant to me right now. Yeah. Uh, because I feel like the lessons, they just kind of come and go all the time. What's relevant to me right now is that starting seems to be quite easy at this point. It's something that comes naturally to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an idea, I launch it, I get some visibility and something happens. But something that I'm facing right now is that scaling a business is actually much harder than starting one. Mm-hmm. Because one is just you, maybe your partner, a couple of employees, it's this like tight, tight-knit group of people. You understand each other. You don't need a lot of money or a lot of clients to make it work. And things are, things are good. You're just, uh, you're just having fun together, uh, learning about how to run this business that you're starting. But as soon as you're, you get to this point of maybe six or seven people, and you're looking at your revenue and you want to start scaling, you want to you know, double or triple your business, then you need to start thinking about all these processes and hiring and company culture and eventually making sure that you as an entrepreneur can let go of control and even let someone else run the show. Yeah. And when you're a business owner, it's your baby. Like you gave birth to it, you started it. And you feel like you know it better than everyone, anyone else. And then at some point you realize that, hey, you need to start letting go of that responsibility and you need to start trusting other people and finding good people. And it's not just you and your cool idea and you doing your public speaking thing or writing LinkedIn posts or whatever, but you actually have to start dealing with people. You have to start running a business. Yeah. And that's what's... Um, uh, that's what's been on my mind lately, just like how to change my own thinking and how to change the way the companies run uh, for people to to be effective and happy and productive in, in my organization. So the lesson is that there are very different stages. And mm-hmm. if you're good at one, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily good at the other. My solution to that was to go and find people who are. Mm. And I built an advisory board for the F company and we found some, some of the best, most respected uh, people in Finland who have done this before. They've built agencies before. And um, it's, it's made an incredible difference because the experience you get from those people who have done it um, and being humble enough to say that you don't know how to do something or you're not sure how to do something. That I think is the key lesson just to, know when your experience is no longer enough and you need to to bring some new people on board. Fantastic recommendation because this is a topic that uh, I've discussed with other entrepreneurs on that show and it comes back again and again. And many entrepreneurs have said the same. Mm-hmm. Go for, you know, go for people who know. Uh, seek, seek advice, seek knowledge from those people who have it. And don't try to reinvent the wheels because others have uh, have had the journey before before you, so they definitely can can help you. Exactly, and that's that's very difficult. And it's, exactly. it's 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 very good that you, you you were able to find that by yourself because what you're saying is very true. The fact that at one point you really need to take a step up and start building the business around or below below you. Like the, your business goes beyond yourself. It's not you anymore. It's some. It's something else. And this is how you're going to be able to uh, to scale it up. I w- if I become the main bottleneck, I won't be able to grow it. Yes, 
And that is exactly something that's been on my mind maybe for the last uh, six or 12 months or so, where at some mm. point I started to feel like becoming the bottleneck, mm. uh, where everything is tied around me. And then yes. people don't feel like they can make decisions without me or they don't feel confident enough that they can take care of their areas without me. And then, like you said, you can't scale the business that way. So yeah. you need to, first of all, build processes that people can follow and that you're confident enough that they can do the job to the level that you expect without mm -hmm. you sort of being, in, being there and standing behind their backs. And that is a difficult, difficult thing. It's a completely different skill requires, like you said, a lot of humility and accepting the fact that maybe you need to let go a little bit and maybe yeah. you're not the best at everything and yeah. you need to surround yourself with people who are better than you at certain things. Yeah. Well, if you need a help, I know a really good coach who can do that. We can help you because this is exactly what I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a good way to, to uh, put your sales pitch in. There you go. <laughs> what are you uh, the most proud of? Quite a few things, really. Uh, from starting my first business at 16, what I mentioned, to now building up my agency completely from scratch. Mm. And, you know, the F company started with zero euros invested from anybody. I've never sought outside investment. I've never put in a single cent of my own cash into it. I just found and I did it up into this, um, into the business that it is now. And that is something to be proud of. But if I'm being completely honest with you, I'm not very good at sort of sitting still and feeling good about myself. Mm. Um, I'm one of those people who are not good at um, sort of um, being in the moment and appreciating the journey that I've made so far. And I actually, what I do appreciate is having people around me who can sometimes like put my attention to the fact that I've actually gone quite far. And mm. what we have now is really cool because I'm the kind of person who always looks ahead instead of looking at what's been done. So it's actually been one of the lessons to learn like on a personal level to how to learn to appreciate what you've done as an entrepreneur, because otherwise you can spend your entire life chasing something without ever slowing down to enjoy it for a minute. So very good point. Any other recommendations you would give to aspiring entrepreneurs? You know, something I've been thinking about lately and uh, something I actually once talked about on, on a different podcast was about failure mm. as an entrepreneur. I feel like in the last 10 or 15 years, being an entrepreneur became really trendy and sexy. You know, mm -hmm. we literally have courses at the top universities teaching people how to start companies and be entrepreneurs. We have all these startup incubators. We have all these communities and TV shows. And, and I think that's fantastic. I personally think that's amazing. But what people don't talk about is the fact that most of the time you are going to fail. There is, you know, a lot of statistics about it that, you know, nine out of 10 companies fail and all of that. And somehow what I feel is that it's not okay in the current society to admit that you failed. It's yeah. not okay to say that, you know, I've started this company and I've wasted a lot of time and money and now it's closed because I wasn't good enough. People are afraid of being judged. People are afraid of admitting that 
they're tired. Entrepreneurs are afraid of showing that they're weak. And my advice to entrepreneurs out there would be that it is okay to fail. And even before you start working on a business, of course, you shouldn't want to fail, but you should recognize the possibility that there will be a lot of failure in your journey. Mm. And it's really important to be able to admit that it's not going well. It's okay to be weak sometimes. It's okay to make mistakes and, and, and take the wrong turns. It's okay to ask for help if you need help. You know, mm. it's okay to seek mentorship. It's, it's okay to seek psychological help, for example, because if you're just starting your business for the first year or two, you're going to be grinding your butt off and it's going to get tough sometimes and it's going to be heavy sometimes. And you really need to have that support network around you, the people you can talk to and really share how it feels. Mm. Because if you can't, you're not going to enjoy it. And then you're just going to end up with this feeling of shame somehow because you go to LinkedIn and everyone seems happy and successful and great at what they do. And then you're going to be thinking, okay, am I the only one who's failing at this whole entrepreneurship thing? You're not. Yep. Everyone's failing. It's just that no one's talking about it. Yeah. So that's what I want for people to know. It is okay to fail. Beautiful. And social media is not the reality. <laughs> no. God, no. No. Yeah. You know, there should be a social network that shows life how it really is. <laughs> that would be a fun, fun place. He did. He did. But yeah, I completely agree with you. Failure is part of the process. And, but sometimes exactly. it's just difficult to uh, overcome it. I know. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> yeah. It is difficult. But as long as you accept that it's okay, it's normal, and you have people you can talk to, that's going to make it so much easier. What is your big dream for your business? Where do you want to take it? I want to kind of tie it with my, uh, my personal goals for my career. You know, business-wise, I want for the F company to become the leading B2B agency in the Nordics by 2025. So we have um, a couple of years to go. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we might actually get there even before that. But uh, what I want to do personally is eventually kind of move away from the operational side of things and focus much more on public speaking, focus on being in front of people, focus on inspiring them and kind of being the thought leader in the marketing field, because that's something that I really, really enjoy doing. And in order for me to get there, once again, talking about the key lesson I've learned, I need to build the kind of company that could function operationally mm. without uh, sort of David being involved in, in a lot of the day-to-day -day things. And um, that's something that is a challenge, but it's also an exciting challenge because it's something that um, um, I'm, I feel like I'm learning and getting better at every single day. Well, I wish you uh, good luck. And one nice question <laughs> then. How can people contact you? How can people contact me? Well, the easiest way to do it is through LinkedIn. Uh, just to find David Glinov or search for the F company. I'm always happy to talk to aspiring entrepreneurs or marketers. So just hit me up and um, let's have a conversation. Let's share ideas and experiences. I, it's something that I really get my energy from just, you know, meeting new people and having inspirational conversations. Amazing. Thank you very much, David, for your time. Thank you so much for having me.
And thank you all for listening. If you like this episode, share it with your network on social media so we can inspire as many entrepreneurs and inspiring entrepreneurs as possible. See you next time. Bye-bye.